We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing really great. I'm excited to have you back, no matter how many bad things I say about you to your face or behind <laughs> your back. Good. I don't like doing the show by myself, so uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, apologies to the listeners for last week, uh, just me going solo, but uh, glad that you're feeling better, glad that the uh, interwebs have returned to yes. your household, and uh, we can do the show this week. Absolutely. I hate missing it, but last week it was, uh, man, <laughs> it was the the stomach bug. It was no internet. It was ice storm, no heat in the house. It was a wild time, but we have moved on. We have recovered, and we are, you know, here to here to back talk more Packers football and combine. We've hit the combine, Andrew. Are you excited about getting no. measurables? Yeah, normally I'm so excited to just watch people run in a straight line yeah. and then they 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 will show like three players actually going through the drills and then just go to a highlight video. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like 40 times they, yeah. they're the flashy thing, but we didn't get to actually watch it. So I have guests in town. Uh, my parents have actually come out to visit. So I haven't seen a single thing about the combine or I 
I have not watched a single second of the combine, I should say. Uh, DVR for later uh, if you're Andrew and get get caught up. But I have I have seen a few tweets, so mm-hmm. why don't you fill me in, and then uh, you know the listeners will say, hey, we already know this um, <laughs> about what is going on. Yeah. No, uh, sorry, my alarm was going off that was reminding me to come record with you, so I had to Great. turn that off. Really. So I'm here. That's good. You made uh, it. But yeah, combine is here, and I'm always like super bummed out because you know they send out the, the the dates for the combine and i always forget every single year that it takes like four days before anything actually happens beyond like maybe gms talking and like those kinds of things so we have just now gotten here uh players are starting to run i think they've run a couple of groups of defensive linemen and getting into some linebackers tonight so um yeah like we're not going to cover the combine for you guys that's not what we're primarily here for but there is some packers interest in some of these things as they come out and players that maybe the packers have met with players that the packers might be interested in because of their testing so just really quickly um paul Bredel, shout out to paul actually gave us a really cool list here of the players that ever reportedly met with the Packers at the Combine thus far. Uh, some notable names, Quentin Johnston, uh, Mozzie Smith, the defensive lineman from Michigan, Jordan Battle, the safety, Brian Branch, his uh, partner there in crime, other safety slash, let's be honest, he's a slot cornerback from Alabama, Keely Ringo. <laughs> Andrew's giving me like all of his like visual uh, responses to these names and they're mostly like meh okay um the keely ringo here at the corner um we've got christian gonzalez another notable name there at corner andrew's really excited about that one um and one lucas van ness is also on the list that the packers have met with the edge out of iowa so some interesting meetings there obviously we know the packers are going to meet with just about everybody in one you know way or another, but some interesting meetings early on. I, I would say my takeaway from this list is that the Packers seem very willing to entertain the idea of a defensive back early in this draft. And maybe that's something that would surprise a lot of people maybe a few months ago after hearing Brian Gudikins talk recently, maybe not so much, but several safeties, several corners there that are not going to be on the board at pick 45 um unless something crazy happens so that's pretty interesting um andrew i also did just want to mention a couple of the testing results that we've gotten because they're really fun but uh do you have any thoughts there on on those uh on those meetings anybody that you're like they should not meet with that player no i mean they should meet with everybody because you you never know what is going to happen and if there's a player they're intrigued by then yeah absolutely meet with them because sometimes it's you know, it, it's funny because we we do a lot of like draft quote unquote analysis. We don't know a lot of the things that become determining factors, right? Like, yeah. I, I think it's really cool that you watch player interviews because I think that actually is a, a really interesting peek into who they are. But we don't know that stuff. Like, how do they interview? Yeah. What's their football knowledge like? You know, how right. how do you draw a play up? How do you how do you like quickly recognize a play? How are you going to be in the locker room? How are you going to be in the community? Things that like are really important to NFL teams, and especially the Green Bay Packers that we just don't have access to. And so, yeah, go ahead and and talk to those players and and see where they're at. I want to hear about the testing standouts before we fight about Lucas Van Ness. 
Okay, so let me give you a couple of these. I mean, there were a lot of players who put up some really impressive numbers. Uh, a lot of those guys didn't have as big of names. Uh, to me, they're guys that I haven't gotten to yet, but there are a few that, my goodness, everybody knows who they are, and they definitely showed up uh, to perform. So Nolan Smith, the edge player from Georgia, is just gone nuclear down there. It's crazy. Now, of course, he weighs in. He's 238 pounds. So mm-hmm. he's a small guy. When you're small, you've got to test really, really well. And he's done that absolutely. So he has a 41 and a half vertical. He's put up a 10-foot broad jump. He's got a four. This His 40 time, Andrew. He ran a 4.39 40-yard oh. dash. So, I mean, I don't know if this is your live reaction because you haven't been able to follow it, it today. I have I had not seen Nolan Smith's numbers. Yeah, so really impressive. Yeah, his RAS currently. Um, I mean, this is a this is a something that's being put together, but currently sits at a 9.2 RAS. So something that would be well within the, what the Packers would would pursue. But I mean, his size is going to be something that's probably going to maybe be something that would kick him down the board. Brian Brzee, um, another player that's expected to go mid, maybe I don't know mid late first round. Um, is also testing really, really well. Uh, ran a, where are we at? 4.9 unofficial 40-yard dash. I think that was adjusted to a 4.86, actually, mm. was maybe the official time there. So That's broken for a guy Yeah, he's moving size. for a big guy. I think he's like 298 pounds. So uh, impressive there. And then the last one to, to mention here is Mr. Lucas Van Ness. And Testing really, really well. His RAS is currently sitting at a 9.75. Just, I mean, moving. He ran a 4.58.40 after the adjustment, I think. So just just moving out there. I don't know that the vertical is super impressive. He only jumped 31 inches. Uh, But I think a little bit more bendy than a lot of people were expecting, too. He put out a three-cone of 7.02. So, I mean... Lucas Van Ness is already taking traction on the Packers Twitter uh, out on the interwebs. And I know that you had some some response to that. Um, how does it make you feel that Lucas Van Ness very much in play now at the 15th overall selection for the Green Bay Packers with testing like that? Yeah, well, and I, I just want to sort of I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit and say something really nice about Van Ness. So <laughs> Nolan Smith. Th- those numbers are are really really crazy, um, but he it like I I believe my my film grade on him was a seventy four. Um, I am not done with edge players, so I won't really sure. sure that fits in with with everything else. Um, at least for like a week or two, but his problem was he doesn't hold up at the point of attack at all. Um, and and I think some of that speed and quickness does get negated at the next level when you don't have the threat of power because offensive tackles are just going to overset on you and not be afraid that you're going to come, come back across their face and bull Mm -hmm. rush them. Mm -hmm. So the problem for Nolan Smith is at the NFL level, I mean, guys that are two, he's 238. You can say maybe he's going to play at 245, 250, but how much of that explosiveness does he lose at that size? And that's a concern even at that range. Um, whereas Van Ness, I think, weighed in at like 249, 250, something like that. He's probably going to play more like 255, 260, which Van is... Van Ness? Uh, yeah. Let me get that do for you. Have, do you have because his weight? It's, it's more, that's why. So, uh, weighs in at 272, sir. Oh, 
okay, Holy we're man. talking. Yeah, we're talking different animals. Yeah, <laughs> Never mind. Different. Guys. I thought he was gonna slim. This uh, again. This is my live reaction. So my apologies, but yeah. Okay. Well, that that's a different story, right? <laughs> like we're talking George Karloftis kind of yeah, stuff yeah. there. Uh-huh. My my issue with Van Ness and and why I was giving you just a little bit of grief on Twitter is <laughs> is just that like. For a guy who has literally never started a game at Iowa, mm-hmm. n- not one. Uh, he sure. was a rotational edge rusher, uh, really young, really raw, really inexperienced. You just don't know what you're going to get. And it makes me nervous if the Packers take him at 15. Now, is he worthy of going at 15? Maybe he is. I don't know. Again, like it, does does he have the desire to be a great NFL player? Um, you know, does he have that kind of work ethic? Is is he or is he just a toolsy guy who fell into football and he's like, oh, I'm really good at this and um, it's going to get the next level and that develop the way that you want to. We don't know that and we never we, we won't until probably after he's drafted and, and maybe even a year or two later. So those those are important things. If the Packers only have the 15th pick, right, if we're talking about a scenario where the Packers are going into next year with Aaron Rodgers. I don't want a developmental edge rusher at 15, right? Yeah, Give me somebody yeah. who can play right now. If the Packers are going to like reload or even mm-hmm. like take a step back, mm-hmm. then maybe, yeah, I would, I would rather if I'm going to take a developmental edge rusher, trade down a little bit, pick up some extra resources and take them in the twenties. But Van Ness may very well not be available at that point. This is just a, it's, it's turning out to be a pretty good, at at least top heavy edge rushing class. And I think a guy like Van Ness may get pushed down because of that. And, um, you know, I don't want to get over excited and take edge five or six, who may not be much of an impact as a rookie at pick 15. That's all I was saying. Yeah, no, I think it's true. And I think, so it's interesting. He's going to be 21 years old on draft day. He's uh, not going to turn 22 until uh, towards the season start or maybe as you get into the season. So young player, lots of upside there. One of my biggest things with him when I watched him a little bit was he got washed out in the run game a good bit. Um, for a guy his size, like you kind of expect that he that wouldn't happen as much. But Iowa kind of reduced him down inside quite a bit and kind of played him in a weird spot. Like obviously he, he didn't like hold up great on the edge, but like there were a lot of times where like you saw him getting washed out and he's like he's double teamed in the middle of the defensive line. You're like, what in the world is he doing down there? So but he did say that he played between 270 and 275 pounds. Um, in an interview that I listened to. So what he's testing at is his real playing weight. So I think that helps for like carrying over, you know, projecting what you're looking at. But um, a high upside player, obviously a young player. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. So I think this is fun, Andrew. I know what your grade is on him because you shared your grades with me. And I don't <laughs> know like what you want to throw out there. I have an 80 on him. Um, and I can tell you what you have, if, or you can look it up yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a 78. That's pretty so, good. Yeah, so we're not that far apart. I think I view him as probably a, a late first, early second grade. And then you, I think you bake in the age and you bake in the athletic, athletic testing and the upside. I think that that's where you yeah. may consider the middle of the first round um, as he's, maybe an he's interesting He's going to shoot spot. up my 
he's going to shoot up my board because as I've mentioned before, like my formula takes into account age. It, it It's going to really help players that are younger and it's going to take into account athleticism, which is really going to help Lucas Van Ness. And he's probably yeah. going to shoot up into the middle of the first round and then make my instant reaction look really stupid, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind at all. And then you're going to end up with a higher grade on him than I have. And it's going to be really more annoying. than likely. Yeah. More, more than likely. Yeah. So anyway, all this, I mean, this is, fresh we we're just watching it happen uh tonight but it's fun to see these numbers come in and get excited about this stuff a lot more you know the process is much bigger than running 40 times in three cones but it's really fun to see all this happening so um but that's the front of the show andrew we've got a lot more to go in this show so you want to flip us over to what the show is about today actually yeah absolutely and the last thing i'll say about the combine right now is just like i want to make sure that everybody realizes that last week i was singing the praises of israel abanaconda who is the Mm -hmm. running back from Pitt, and he is going to like explode at the combine and everybody else is going to be talking about him so just remember that's my guy and uh you should all give me credit when, when you fall in love We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will get really excited when I see him run in a straight line really fast. <laughs> yeah, he is he is incredibly fast, and he has a track background, so he's he going to destroy the 40. But he's also a really, 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 really good running back. Anyways, uh, so we wanted to continue what we started last week. And really, over the last uh, five or six weeks, uh, we've been doing some exploration into what makes up the best players in the NFL as far as draft status, as far as college. We also wanted to take a look at where this draft class is starting to shape up in terms of historically, at least recent history, um, and where players fall. And so since we didn't get Aaron Rodgers news to update all of you on uh, this week, I wanted to continue our deep dive into the offseason and, and really like answer these two questions that popped up to me a couple weeks ago. And number one is where does this year's draft class rank in terms of the last four, which is when I really started having like concrete grades. 
And then where do the best players at each position in the NFL come from? Like, is there truly college programs that have become football factories? Like we we would talk about like Georgia or Wisconsin running backs or Penn State linebackers or Alabama defensive linemen. So uh, just exploring those couple things. And last week we were supposed to get it kicked off together. Yeah, and I was sick last week, like I said. So I was bummed I missed out on the start of the conversation. You looked at quarterback and running back, but I'm excited to be back to jump into this wide receiver and tight end conversation today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so I took a look at where wide receivers fell since 2020. Um, and my top graded wide receivers I had, you know, in 2021, Jalen Waddell, and 2020, CeeDee Lamb, 21, Jamar Chase, 21, Devontae Smith, 22, Jamison Williams, 20, Henry Ruggs, 20, Jerry Judy. All those guys are kind of clumped together between an 85 and an 88. Um, I did have Rondale Moore uh, in that class. Yikes, that one hasn't looked so <laughs> yeah. good. But Chris Olave last year as well. So that's like a big glut of guys between 2020 and 2022, all 85 and higher. Most of those were drafted in the first round. Um I'm looking through the list. All of them were drafted in the first round, except for Rondale Moore, uh, and deservedly so. And then uh, at at the 84 grade, that starts in uh, 2020, where I had Justin Jefferson. I, I ended up having him really, really high because his adjusted grade was fantastic because he's, again, young and athletic. Um, but just film grade, he was at 84. And that's where this year's class starts, and it kind of checks um, all the way down from 84 to 81, I've got Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jalen Hyatt, Quentin Flowers, or Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers. And then, um, you know, there were some other players that were in those grade ranges from um, 2020 to 2022. Um, but like my main point here is twofold. This year's class is not nearly as top heavy as we've seen. It, it also happens to not be nearly as deep, but that's not really what we're talking about right now. Um, this is a class that kind of has guys that probably would have been more like wide receiver five, six, seven in the last three draft classes. But the counter to that is we are coming off some really historical great receiving classes. Just because this one doesn't live up to the last three doesn't mean it isn't good. It may not be as good. It definitely isn't, in my opinion. But it is difficult to compare it to what should be considered great receiving classes that we're seeing immediate impact from and, and some really, really top-notch players. Yeah, we see this class very similarly, I think. I don't have the historical data uh, to compare it to like you do. This is my first year using a numbered grading scale, and I'm really excited about doing that. I'm actually using your scale, Andrew, and making some of those tweaks uh, here and there to start that process. It's been really fun. But uh, you're right, this class isn't filled with wide receiver ones. There's not a lot of prototypical X receivers. There's not a lot of guys you want to build your offense around, right? Um, but, I mean, similar grades. I think Jackson Smith and Jigma right now is my wide receiver one. But it's the same numbers, right? I've got an 84 on Smith and Jigba. I've got an 83 on Jordan Addison, an 82 on Quentin Johnson, and Zay Flowers and Hyatt are right behind them there with 80 and 79. So uh, the order is a little bit different, but the, it's the same in that like the numbers reflect that position where they're behind all these guys from previous years. Um, nobody seems to have a complete profile. I think that's my big takeaway is that Smith and Jigba lacks that top gear speed. Addison has the slight frame. And then Quentin Johnson's a super athlete, but he just might not be great at playing wide receiver, <laughs> which sounds like a joke. But it, like 
he might get there, right? He's just not there yet if that comes for him. So uh, it will be interesting to see how the NFL handles this group when they go through their evaluations because last year there was a scramble to get your wide receiver early, right? London, Garrett Wilson, Alave, Jamison Williams all went. Jamison Williams, even with a crazy injury, all these guys went between picks eight and pick 12. That's kind of nuts when you think about it. This year we might not get a wide receiver off the board in the top 15 at all. And I, I think my prediction is that after Quentin Johnson tests, someone's going to take him pretty high and just bet on the, the traits there. But it is possible that we just don't get anybody in that range where we took four last year. So uh, it's just good context to remember this class has a very different overall flavor than the ones that we've had lately. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great point. A lot of mocks right now are showing that maybe the Patriots at 14 are the first wide receiver spot. Um, yeah. Obviously, a lot of things can happen on the way up to the draft, but um, it is shaping up that way uh, as of right now. Um, and then the, the the second part of that is I just wanted to take a look at where the best wide receivers went to college. Um, and, you know, I hope people don't take this as helmet scouting, but my goal is to take a look at the top 10-ish players in the league at each position and then determine are there specific patterns where they're coming from. Uh, you know, last week we saw big, big college programs develop the best running backs, but you don't need to draft a quarterback from a big school to be really successful. So taking a look at wide receiver, um, you know, you had Cooper Cup, Eastern Washington, Devontae Adams, Fresno State, A.J. Brown, Ole Miss, Justin Jefferson, LSU, Tyler Lockett went to Kansas State, Stephon Diggs, Maryland, Deontay Johnson, Toledo, Brandon Ayuk, Arizona State, T. Higgins, Clemson, Jamar Chase, LSU, Chris Olave, Ohio State, Tyreek Hill, West Alabama, uh, C.D. Lamb, Oklahoma, and Terry McLaurin, Ohio State. So you could you can squabble over who the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL are. There's probably some players you'd take off and um, some others that you'd put on. But I think there's some main themes here. Number one, you know, elite wide receivers come from a lot of different colleges. There's some major programs represented, but not a huge amount of repeats. You know, LSU has a couple. Ohio State has an argument if you add in Garrett Wilson to this list, um, but not necessarily like one particular pipeline. And there's a lot of like mid-major kind of programs um, in this list, along with those power five. So it, it seems almost equally as likely that you can get them from a small college. Yeah, Ohio State and LSU are definitely the ones that pop, I think. If you add in uh, Butte and uh, Smith and Jigma from this year and then talk about Marvin Harrison uh, one year out, there's something to be said about those two schools and what they're doing in recruiting the wide receivers. Uh, but you can find these wide receivers just about anywhere. It's really, really interesting, uh, th that spread when you talk about all the small schools that all those guys came from. But uh, I'm curious. Let's go ahead and flip the page over to tight end and see if it holds up the same. Yeah, so um, for me, Kyle Pitts has been far and away the best graded tight end prospect um, of the last four years. He was drafted in 2021. He came in at a 90 grade. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal. And then I have a couple of 2023 guys right up there. Um, Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington, both with grades of 83. So a big gap between Pitts and the next best tight end. But, um, you know, 83 is there. I had Trey McBride last year as an 83 as well. And then 82, Isaiah Likely last year. And then another kind of significant gap from 82 to 80. And here we're getting three different 2023 guys, Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta. 
um, and then bounce down to 79, and I'm getting Tucker Craft, who's a prospect this year, and then Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, Chigo Quanquo, um, all 79s. If you jump way down there, then in 2020, there's Cole Komet at a 76. So really, the point of this is there hasn't been many great tight end prospects in the last four years. But this class is different. It has high-end talent and a bunch of it. Half of the players I mentioned on this list are from the class of 2023. Yeah, this tight end class is worth getting excited about. I think it's really fun. I have an 83 grade on both Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. So I like Kincaid a little bit more than you. And I have matching 79 grades on both Musgrave and Darnell Washington. I actually think there's a chance that Washington and Musgrave both get a little bit of a boost after their combine testing. Uh, so I think that's you know something kind of I anticipate. But I think you can justify taking Mayer or Kincaid in the middle of the first round. I think you can justify taking Washington or Musgrave early to mid second round probably it's probably a reasonable thing to expect but regardless of how you stack this class and what order you put these players in there's a real possibility that we could have four tight ends go in the top 50 picks and then even after that if you wanted to you could say within the first 60 70 picks you're probably sprinkling in uh, laporta you're probably putting in tucker craft so you're just going to get a ton of these guys going early in this draft, which speaks to the quality of the players that are going to be available. Uh, I think it's worth noting, since we just talked about the combine, Kincaid is not going to be testing, right? So a lot of people have him as their top tight end. He's got a back injury, apparently. So that might help him fall a little bit further in the draft than maybe some have projected. So something worth noting there. I don't know if he's going to get all the way to 45, uh, but maybe somebody that's going to slip a little bit just because whenever there's a medical issue, uh, that tends to drop guys a little bit. Yeah, and it looks like we're going to have an influx of talent at tight end coming into the league. That's not a guarantee that these players are going to ascend to the top 10 in their position. Um, but we wanted to take a look at where the best tight ends in the NFL went to college. And of course, you know, we were talking about positional value and, and draft value a few weeks ago. And we, we learned that the best tight ends typically don't go in the first round. So just kind of like an interesting historical perspective there. Um, but where they went to college, you have Travis Kelsey, Cincinnati, George Kill, Iowa, Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, Kyle Pitts, Florida, Dallas Goddard, South Dakota State, Dalton Schultz, Stanford, TJ Hawkinson, Iowa for the second time, Darren Waller, Georgia Tech, Dawson Knox, Ole Miss, Hunter Henry, Arkansas, and again, you can flip in other players across the league as your top 10 versus mine. That's fine. Um, but really, like, just not much consistency on that list other than Iowa showing up twice. And a few things I think I think um, is, you know, number one, tight ends typically come from programs that ask them to block in more traditional NFL running attacks. There certainly are exceptions, right? Kyle Pitts from Florida, Travis Kelsey from Cincinnati, but those are the freak receivers anyways at the tight end position in the NFL. Um, you know, and and so there's programs, you know, you see Stanford, Iowa, um, Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma's a bad example, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like um, Arkansas, like the, programs that were asking their tight ends to block, um, I think is is typically a, a good gauge on that, unless they're just like an electric freak athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and and this is kind of a change because if you think back to the late '90s, early 2000s, uh, the University of Miami in Florida had a lock 
on all of the best tight ends in the league, right? Whether that be Kellen Winslow or Bubba Franks or Greg Olson or, you know, kind of the list goes on. Miami was a direct pipeline of tight end talent. Now it seems like that's not really the case. We perceive Iowa to be be that way, but really it's been more like here and there and not all of those have turned into really stellar NFL players. And tight ends can come from almost anywhere. It's a position that takes a while to develop, so there aren't always going to be teams that are pipelines because it's hard to predict what recruits are going to become great tight ends at the college level. And then, of course, which which, you know, prospects are going to become great from the college to the pro level. And we already know from our draft round study, this may be the hardest position to evaluate correctly for the professionals who do it in the NFL. Um, and I think for us, this is a really, really difficult way to, or, or a difficult position to evaluate as well. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking, and uh, I mean, you got to give a nod to Iowa, right? Like, yeah. Of course, the Kittle, Fant, Hawk, of course, this year they have Laporta coming out. But I was just sitting here thinking about, and I, I stopped listening to you for a while, which is typical on our <laughs> podcast, but I apologize if you mentioned this, but I was just thinking about the historical precedent for Notre Dame to have kind of yeah. a pipeline of tight ends. And of course this year uh, there is Michael Mayer. Um, but that was the one I feel like, I don't know how many years ago it felt like we were always getting, uh, you know, Eifert, we got Crofts. I don't know who else came out of there. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting another big one, but it felt like they had a pipeline for a while. Yep. But I think you're right. You pointed out the, the fact that a lot of tight ends, when they come to school, they probably don't have a tight end body. They're probably either still growing into that. Maybe they're a wide receiver that's converted um, over from, you know, wide receiver to play tight end. So they're learning that position. It's probably a lot harder for even these teams to project who is going to be the next tight end in their pipeline because they don't come to school fully ready to, to take on that role and to have that filled out body type. So it's an interesting one to pro- project from high school to college. And then again, the leap from college to the NFL, especially when you consider how they're used in the college game. So uh, interesting one to look at, but I do think there's a couple pipelines there, but yeah, obviously they come from all over. Yeah. And so we are going to skip our draft prospects to watch this week because we want to watch the combine reevaluate a little bit and then come back uh, maybe even a little bit stronger next week um, and, and be able to, to talk through that. This is like, it is the off season, Kyle. I don't know if you realize uh, we have two more shows and we'll already be talking about free agency. That's crazy. Not even, not even really one more show. Yeah, and then one more show. we'll already know players signing in free agency. We yeah. expect the Packers to have a much clearer quarterback situation by then yep. as well. Yep. And then it's just draft stuff fast and furious <laughs> after that. So like we're in it. This yes. is our favorite time of the year. And and certainly a really really exciting opportunity to to move forward and and uh, you know talk about it a little bit and uh, who knows maybe we'll we'll have a, a special guest or two along the way and um, you know bringing some folks back that may have been here before but uh, uh, we'll 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 reveal those secrets as they come but that is all the time that we have for today this has been the Packer Day Podcast you can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. That would really, really help us out. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with more off-season coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.